and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 243 and part two of my conversation with Capel ISD in Texas, Director of Percussion Activities, Annie Chernow. We'll get to that conversation in a moment. But first up, Professional Activities Alert. This past weekend, May 23rd through the 25th, was the 2021 National Conference on Percussion Pedagogy. It was entirely virtual, though it was hosted by Texas Tech University and previous podcast guest Lisa Rogers, along with Mike McStacky. The conference was mostly a series of presentations of varying lengths, along with two pre-recorded concerts by students and professionals, along with a live concert by Texas Tech's Percussion Studio, which included steel band and percussion ensemble that featured a really good performance of Sting's entire Ten Summoners Tales album. Additionally, there were a lot of really good presentations, and many of those folks have been previous podcast guests. This includes Josh Armstrong, Oliver Molina, Dave Gerhart, Jillian Baxter, Joe W. Moore III, Teddy Hall Jr., Tracy Wiggins, Rebecca Kite, and Brad Meyer. And then there's me. As I'm now coming up on five years of doing this show, it felt like it was time to formally present to the NCPP folks on how to both use and create podcasts in percussion studios and the benefits of doing that. I enjoyed getting to talk about this and got some complimentary feedback from those who saw it, including a good job, Pete, in the Zoom chat from my grad school mentor, Court McLaren, which is high praise. I should also point out that I have included podcasting as part of one of my classes already that I teach, so it's definitely transferable to anyone in a teaching situation. I'll discuss this in future episodes, but for right now, let's get back to my conversation with Annie Chernow. Last week, Annie stopped by to talk about her massive program at Capella ISD, her beginnings in percussion and her undergrad years at the University of Delaware. This week, we hear the rest of her story, including her time as a grad student at Minnesota Duluth, her beginnings as a percussion specialist in Texas, and the usual close to our show. What's notable about this particular episode are two really important segments. When Annie talks about the challenges of maintaining self-care in a very time-consuming job, and her thoughts on being a woman in the percussion world. These are particularly important as, next week, Annie's school will be hosting the 2021 Girls' March, the organization formed and run by previous podcast guest Rachel Taylor. So stay tuned for all of that. All right, here we go. We recorded this interview over Zoom on May 10th, 2021, and it begins right now. Well, how do you end up at Minnesota? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know how I ended up there in that, that snowy, snowy state. I had known Gene Kaczynski was the professor there and he had come, him and his duo partner, Tim Brocious had come and done a clinic at Delaware when I was there and I really enjoyed their clinic. And I was thinking, I, I think I'm, I might want to go study with, with the two of them. Um, so I went and went out and auditioned and, and the weekend that I auditioned, they had their worst snowstorm right before I landed. No, no, no. It was when I was there, they had their worst snowstorm, like in years. Mm. And my mom came with me to my audition and we landed and we landed in like a 10 foot high snow, snow drift. Mm-hmm. And my mom like looks at me out the window. She looks at me and she's like, this, you're, you're not really thinking about going here. Are you <laughs> like, yeah, I think I'm thinking about it. And she's like, you're no, you're not really thinking about going here. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then I, uh, I hung out with some of the members from the percussion studio and I, I really enjoyed my uh, time there and I enjoyed Gene and Tim and I liked my, my, uh, my audition process and everyone there seemed super nice. And, and, you know, at this time, like Gene and Tim, uh, I think they had just done a clinic at PASIC or, or something like that. And, and I'd been seeing all the stuff on social media that they were doing. And, mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to be a part of that. So I ended up 
uh, committing to there. It was actually between there and the Hart School of Music. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, Ben Toth taught both Gene and Tim. Right. Um, which was funny. So, so it was kind of like, um, you know, no matter where I went again, I would have been on a similar path between the two universities, which was kind of funny. Uh, and I ended up and I, yeah, I ended up choosing Minnesota. I get that's kind of hilarious now that I think about it because, um, between UMass and Delaware, Tom Hannum taught gym and I ended up choosing Delaware. So I guess I always, I choose the student over the teacher. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved it there. Minnesota, first of all, Duluth is beautiful. Now I could do it. I will never live there again because the winters, it was like weeks of negative 40 degrees. Yeah. And I remember one of the, the, I'll never forget the first time it snowed, it snowed like six inches overnight. And I got up and I was thinking, surely school's canceled. Like it must be, it must be canceled. And I looked out the window, I'm like six feet of snow. My street's not even plowed. And I keep checking my phone and my email and there's nothing. And I was so shocked and I had to walk to school uh, in the snow, in my snow boots and nothing was plowed. And I was like, what the, when I got to school, what the heck, isn't this canceled? And they're like, no, we don't cancel for snow. I mean, all two, the two years I was there, I don't think we ever had school canceled for snow. Um, yeah, and it was crazy snow, crazy, crazy snow, crazy cold, the majority of the year. Yeah. Uh, but the percussion program was incredible and we got to play i played in the graduate percussion group there um which was my first year i think there were five of us the five grad students plus gene and tim so we actually got to play with the two of them uh which was really great when you get there uh and you walk uphill both ways to get to the (laughs) studio in the snow as we mentioned because that's a thing we had to do um what are the things that that they see that you need still need like what what do you what do they figure out you're like okay here's where what here's the next step for you as a as a percussionist that's a that's a really good question so i i feel like if i hadn't gone to minnesota and learned what i learned from gene and tim like i would be completely at a loss now uh doing what i'm doing because i learned a ridiculous amount about literature there um, that I hadn't learned in my undergrad. And I learned, uh, an insane amount about like gear Mm. and, and just the world of instruments out there. Um, like Tim, uh, Tim Brocious, I did an independent study with him on how to play Rick because Mm. he had, uh, he had lived in Jordan for a little, um, and taught Western music there, but he had learned a lot of Arabic, uh, drumming while he was there. So we got to do some of that stuff with him. Um, and then like, just, I mean, seriously, the gear and the storage and organizational things I learned as a graduate student because I was a graduate student. Yeah. And whereas an undergrad, you're not worrying about those things because someone's always doing them for you. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I feel like the organizational side of things that I have to do now, a lot of that I attribute to my time there. I think I learned a lot at Delaware, but when you're an undergrad and, you know, I was a music education major, so I'm taking all these education courses, you're cramming so much information over four years. And when I got to do my master's and it was in percussion performance and all I had to worry about was performance, like the amount of stuff that I learned about percussion just skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was so awesome. Like I was, I was so excited all the time to just learn about percussion because I got up every day and, and all I had to do was learn about my instrument, which was really cool. Um, and I took a percussion pedagogy class mm-hmm. uh, where we learned, I mean, I learned so much. Um, it was pedagogy and literature, I think. And I got a chance to teach a few percussion ensembles. So I got teaching experience, which was fun. But but seriously, the the how to set up a cymbal stand properly and how to how to set up a cymbal stand with a gong on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, they seem so simple or, or how to, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. It's just all these logistical things that you don't think to learn as an undergraduate student. And then I still didn't learn enough because then I got here and I got a job and I'm like, how come no one ever taught me how to really tune a concert snare drum? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but there's just so much, especially with percussion, you know, it's not the flute. It's not one instrument where you get to only think about that one instrument all the time. Right. There are hundreds of instruments that you have to learn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just so much, so much information to learn. And I think 
adding those extra two years where I got to focus on that, I, I really, I really was able to uh, learn a lot that I've carried over now into what I do. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always think about that with, with uh, you know, at Mizzou, we, we have a number of, I'm not the main percussion person and I, I only do the little bit here, but, um, but I, I'm pretty close with the, the master students and I, and I frequently have told them, you know what your job is? Practice. <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's it. It's like, you got, yes, you have a couple classes, but seriously, practice. It's like, yeah. it's like, I don't have to, I don't have to go practice. Cause it, my job is not, is not, <laughs> I practice cause I, it, it gives me, it gives me joy, Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have to do it. It's like you have to practice. <laughs> yeah. Literally all I did. I mean, I, I would go to my class. I would go to whatever classes I had, like one class a day, two classes a day. And then I would spend the next four, five, six hours practicing yeah. like my solo stuff and percussion ensemble stuff and whatever. But yeah, that was like, that's kind of the best thing about doing a master's degree in performances. And I'm really grateful that I did it that way, you know, because like I have my education degree and I feel like I learned a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was grateful that I had those two years of just percussion. Yeah. Well, when you're doing the undergrad degree, were you thinking I'm going to be a band director? Yes. Yeah. When I was doing my undergrad, I was like, yeah, I went because I wanted to be a band director. And I wanted to, um, you know, I was going to solve the band, world's band directing problems and do everything that, mm-hmm. um, that all the music teachers I'd have before me had, had done wrong. And blah, yeah, blah, yeah blah. of course. Yep. You know, every, right. yeah, every high schooler thinks that, <laughs> um, and now I'm like, man, my band director, literally, he did the best that he could all the time. You know, yeah. you don't really that when you're a child, <laughs> right? Of course. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I wanted to be a band director. I, I thought I was going to be a band director. And then, and then I clearly was not ready to be done with school. I wanted to keep playing. Yeah. I wanted another two years of just playing, like playing progression ensemble literature. I love chamber music. That was my favorite thing that I've done in college and my um, master's as well. So yeah, um, I knew I wanted to keep playing. And, and so that's why I went and got my master's. But uh, after that, that's kind of when I thought maybe, you know, first of all, I was really bad at flute methods and clarinet methods. And I was like, do I really want to spend the rest of my life, like teaching kids how to play clarinet, you know, when I couldn't even do it myself, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe this isn't the best route. Um, so that's kind of why I knew I wanted to move to Texas because, um, I, I knew that in Texas they had the, the percussion specific teachers. Uh, and that's, well, yeah, they, after- and for sure the most of them, I mean, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The um, more popular Yes. You know, across the country now, but like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> by percentage, uh, your best bet is Texas. Yeah, I know. My best bet was Texas. I wanted to get my doctorate uh, directly after. That was like my original plan. Um, and then the more I started thinking about it, I, I was tired. I was yeah. really tired, you know, because I, I kind of burned myself out really quickly. I I, uh, had done drum corps and I never took a break. You know, I, I like, I graduated from college and then I went and marched my age out because I'm young for my, my year. Um, so like I graduated, then I went and did my, uh, age out year and then I moved straight to Minnesota and then I did my master's. And at the end I was like, okay, maybe I need, I need a, I need a break. I need a breather. Um, so then I, I decided to work and I ended up in Texas and, uh, now I am where I am. And I'm like, why would I ever go teach college when I have, I have kids like this? I don't know. You know? Um, yeah. I, I basically have a little mini college progression studio. So. Yeah. You yeah. got, you have resources beyond what most colleges have. I know that. And, and so many people get their doctorates in percussion. Right. And yeah. there are only so many, so many percussion teaching jobs. Yeah. So yeah. The where you're at now was your second job in Texas. This is my fourth job. Wow. So wait, fourth, is that right? Yeah, my fourth job. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's only my fifth year here, which sounds crazy. But yes, when I, it does. Like, when I first moved here, I was a lesson teacher. Uh, okay. And I was teaching private lessons. I had about 50 students. And where is this? This was Where'd in Frisco. To? Okay. Uh, Frisco, Texas, uh, which is like 30 minutes, 40 minutes north of Dallas. Okay. Um, and I was teaching at Wakeland high school and I was a private lesson teacher for high school, middle school students. I had about 50 lesson students 
And then I also taught the front ensemble during marching band season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, uh, I was missing teaching classes. Yeah. Like I was missing che- teaching multiple students at one time. And, and the one-on-one lesson thing, it takes a really special type of person, I think, um, uh, to do it, I, particularly to do it as like the only thing or, or the nearly entire only thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of organization in different ways. And, and it's, a. I mean, you're teaching 10 lessons a day and, and, and it's the same thing back to back to back to back to back over and over again. Right. Um, and, and know, knowing what I know now, I think I would actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I think I was looking for more. Um, and then, I, I did that for about, uh, I did that for the fall yeah. and then, uh, an assistant progression director position opened up in Frisco across town at a different high school and I applied, um, and I got that job and I did that for half a year. Um, and that was at Centennial high school and I loved it. I loved it. I loved being the assistant there. Uh, it was really great. And I got to be in front of a class full of progression students and mm-hmm. do stuff with the high school and do stuff with the middle school. And it was really fun. Um, and then I had a connection through one of the band directors there and her husband was looking for a new percussion director at his high school. Uh, so I applied for that job and then I got that job. So that was my third job in a year, less than a year. Um, and this was at Newman Smith high school in Carrollton. Uh, and I was the percussion director there for a year and then the Capel job opened and I applied and I got that job and now I'm here and I've been here this is my third year. So yeah, it was kind of like, like the opportunities kept, kept opening up at the right, the right time. I was in the right place at the right time and I had met the right people. And, and I, I consider myself really lucky because I kept, you know, these opportunities kept popping up and I, I, I went for it and they just worked out. When you were applying for these different jobs, uh, were you looking for other places? I mean, was there a reason to, to leave one position or another, or if it, it would just was like, no, this is actually a better opportunity for where I want to get to. When I moved here as a lesson teacher, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, I knew I wanted to teach percussion. So I started off and, and I mean, if you are from out of state, starting off as a lesson teacher is the perfect way to get involved yeah, because, because you get to see everything and it's like a, you get to dip your toe in the water, you know, because I'd never, I, I didn't understand the way Texas band worked. So as a lesson teacher, I got to understand the marching man thing and solo contest and UIL and, and, uh, the way everything worked. Um, so it was a really good way for me to get involved and get my foot in the door. And then I started to think, okay, maybe I do want to be a percussion director, but I'm probably not ready. So I applied for that assistant job. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to, you know, I I, I don't want to be an assistant. I want to be a head percussion director. Um, And then this Capel job opened up and it was just, I mean, uh, it was going from a four, a five, a to a six, a school. Uh, The percussion program was massive. Um, and that was kind of a thing where I just like, I had a hard time saying no to, um, I, 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 yeah, that one, I wasn't looking for a job for that one. The other ones I was mm-hmm. when Capel opened, I wasn't looking for a job. Um, in fact, I originally, I, I wasn't really interested because I thought it was going to be so much work, yeah. um, which it is. So I wasn't wrong. <laughs> But I, I am uh, incredibly, incredibly grateful that I, I went for it because I, I ended up where I am now. And, and my kids are amazing. Like, I can't I can't say one bad thing about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I'm lucky that I get to wake up every single day and and do what I get to do uh, with these kids that want to be in percussion. It's yeah. really cool. I don't think I asked this at the beginning. Where in the state is is the high school? Yeah, Capella is uh, northwest of Dallas. Okay. So uh, again, like 30, 30 minutes from downtown. I hope that's right. My geography is really bad. <laughs> it's a lot of traffic is what you're saying. It's just traffic. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, Dallas is like just one big giant thing. I say I live in Dallas. I don't actually live in Dallas. Right, yeah. Like I always say, I'm from Central Jersey, but really, yeah. probably North. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. On the more serious side of this, uh, I, one thing I, I do think about with, um, I'm sure you do too, 
uh, because you're you're you've been in the kind of the percussion realm in Texas as, uh, for for the time you have. I mean, and when you were describing what your schedule is and and breaks and and the la- you know all this time, you know how are you handling like self care? How are you like keeping yourself sane doing all this stuff? Yeah, that's a really good question, um, and that's a really big topic right now amongst Texas percussion directors specifically. Because, and I'm sorry, sorry to, to jump in um, because I there was a I don't know if it was last year. No, not last year, but I feel like it was like the year before I saw like five, six people. I And I don't know that many people in Texas who were leaving, like leaving music. Yes. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, and I, I was, that was a shocking thing, even though I probably shouldn't have been as shocked as I was. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. So that year, and I know exactly what year you're talking about, because that was my first year in Capel. Um, 17 progression director positions opened up across the state. And I remember I went through and I counted, um, 17 and the majority of those people were leaving, not, not moving to another position somewhere right. else, but leaving and going on to do, for some reason, they all seem to do real estate, real estate or, which to me is like, I feel like that's just as busy of a schedule, but that's okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe it's the, uh, they understand how busy it is, but also it's without the stress of, <laughs> it's a different type of stress. Right. Exactly. Um, oh, they go and do real estate or like uh, roofing or construction or mm-hmm. something. Not nothing related to music. IT. Or like IT. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, like completely out of the realm of music or education. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really shocking to me too, because when I first moved here, uh, you know, from an outside perspective, you're like, man, this is awesome. This is like the percussion Mecca. Why would you go anywhere else? Right. Um, and then you start to slowly realize what's going on with the schedule. And this is something that I, I frequently talk about. I've been a lot more vocal about it. Um, in the last year or so, uh, the percussion director position in Texas, at least in North Texas, the way that it is now is not sustainable. I'm willing to speak out because I think other people are scared to speak out about it. But if we don't change something, it's not going to get better. And uh, people are going to continue leaving the field. And because what you, what your initial question was, how do you deal with, with self self care? And to be honest, the answer sometimes is I don't because I don't have time. And it's really hard to take care of yourself when you're constantly worrying about taking care of your program and your students Um, and, and burning burnout is, is so, so real in this field because what's happened with the progression directors is we say, oh, well, the progression director's always done that. And, and, and that's what the job is and that's what the job entails. So instead of us, uh, saying like, Hey, maybe something needs to change. We end up getting to a breaking point and saying, okay, I just can't do this anymore. And some young person comes in and they're excited because they're straight out of college and they're, 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 um, fresh and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you give them four years in the position. Um, and I'm speaking like I'm a 50 year old woman, I'm only 28, you know, and I'm experiencing this too. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah. And it becomes a revolving door, uh, situation. So I, I think there are some, um, there are some fixes like, like I've been seeing some band directors and some fine arts directors posting about it on, on social media about making sure we're taking care of our percussion people, taking care of our percussion directors. But just because uh, it's been done that way in the past, doesn't mean that it's the right way to do it. Right. You know, because especially for someone like me at a six day school, I work at a high school uh, that has three, three middle schools and a freshman center. And I'm responsible for all five, which means, However many UILs, however many concert con- concert band concerts, however many uh, uh, marching band contests for JV and varsity, yeah. Um, and and yeah, I know it's a it's a really serious thing, and and I I pride myself on having a social life outside of my job, um, but it's still not enough, you know. Like like I I try really hard to meditate and eat well and do yoga. And I, I, uh, the meditation and the mindfulness thing is really big for me. Like I, we do it in class, um, as part of our, 
um, percussion high school class. Uh, we meditate during band camp. I, I do like a little mini headspace pack with them for throughout the week of band camp. Um, we've done that the last two years, which has been really good, but it seems to me like my outlet in this is trying to teach my students to recognize and self-care and help themselves yeah. with self-care so that I can kind of help them, uh, understand and break the habit before, you know, they get into doing something like what I'm doing right now. It's a real issue. It's a real problem. And, and I think, you know, people are starting to speak out about it because it is ridiculous. We shouldn't be seeing all these percussion people, these fantastic educators leaving yeah. the field just because they are exhausted and because they, you shouldn't have to choose between school and spending time with your family. Right. Um, you know, it's, it, first of all, you're not making enough money to do that. Not that it's about money, but like if you're going to work that much, then you should probably at least be compensated for it. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, that's, that's a tricky, a tricky topic. And, and I think there are some solutions like maybe the percussion directors don't have to go to every football game or every band contest, uh, or every concert. Um, I think probably what needs to happen is you need to have a designated middle school person and a designated high school person. Uh, but we like to do it to ourselves, right? Because yeah. It, it's wonderful. The fact that I, if I start my sixth graders, then I have them through 12th grade. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, I mean, educationally, that is an, an exceptional setup. It is. Yeah. Uh, but is it sustainable? Like, I don't know because, because then you have someone like me who's driving around to four campuses a day, yeah. um, which sounds absurd when you say it out loud, you know, like yeah. if I tell someone who's never heard of that before, they're like, what do you, I don't understand what you mean. I mean, like, for instance, how many, what's the, what's your, like your car mileage like? Oh my God. I, it's 55.5 miles a week just during the school day. So that doesn't include me driving to and from school. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, I mean, however many weeks, 32 weeks out of the school year. Yeah. So yeah, my poor car and I drive a Jeep. It's not very like, uh, environmentally friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yes. Oh, I should say I do practice some, some sort of self-care. Okay. I, like I said, I'm very big on the, the yoga and meditation and yeah. um, just there, there are seasons in my life where I don't have as much time yeah. to do those things. Um, and, and I end up choosing between sleep and working out or sleep and meditation. And, and I don't want to have to make that choice. Yeah. Um, but the being able to meditate with my students thing that kind of gives me a way to meditate during the school day, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's been really, really good, uh, to, to implement that in school. All right. Well, I finish up with a segment called random ask questions. All right. All right. So first one is not random though. And I, I was actually, I'm actually going to pivot off of what my first question typically is because we kind of covered a good amount of this already. So, but here, the question is this, and it's definitely Related to some of what we've already talked about, which is uh, being a woman in the percussion world. And how long you have? Take it away. <laughs> keep your keep your answer uh, under three and a half hours, if you could. Okay, I could probably do that. Okay, being a woman in the percussion world. Okay, here's an interesting interesting thing. Mm -hmm. I would argue that my sixth grade percussionists have no idea that it's weird. Yeah. Unusual to be a female in the percussion world because they have me and Patricia and Lindsay and Eliana in front of them. So those kids, and, and I have so many female percussionists in Cup Hill, um, they probably don't realize, which is so cool, yeah. which is so cool. Uh, but I mean, I deal with some stupid stuff. I'm trying to, how do I say it in a nice way? I deal with some stupid stuff. That's a nice way. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, I, there's an E rating. So yeah, if you're like, I deal with some dumb shit, like I get it, you know, <laughs> it'll be fine. However you want to yeah. say it. I try not to chalk up all the problems that I run into as being a female percussionist, but I have to say I do sometimes. I think, uh, I think some of my, some colleagues are, are, are more quick to uh, shoot down my ideas and I feel like I have to stand up for myself a little bit more. Whereas if my assistant says something, um, it's accepted a little bit quicker, but that uh, that's not just being a female percussionist. I think that's being a female in the working world right now. Right. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's been, it's really interesting because I do feel like I have to be an advocate a lot of the time. Like I, I find myself trying to, trying to argue, uh, why we need to to put more females in the band classes or make sure, you know, right now there's a, there's a pretty big disparity in uh, male versus female um, in band in general, um, not just where we are, but I think all, in a lot of schools. Uh, and I think so much of it has to do with the young girls are seeing their male band directors. Right. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not the male band director's fault that they're male. Um, but what I think a quick fix is like, Hey, bring a female with you when you do your screenings, um, just bring a, bring a, pri- a private lesson teacher or an, an older student that yeah. is a female. Um, and because those fifth grade girls, fifth grade girls might not be comfortable going up to like a 50 year old man. And, and I, I'm not going to look at a 50 year old man and think, Oh, I can do that as a, right. a fifth grade girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I think sometimes I feel like I have to do what I'm doing. Um, like as my job, like I, I, I almost feel like I need to keep going and do what I'm doing so that girls do see that it's possible. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, sometimes, I mean, it's exhausting sometimes, you know, like to, to have to speak up constantly and, and, but ultimately it's worth it because there are going to be girls 20 years from now that hopefully don't have to do it. And 20 years from now, hopefully they're double the amount of female percussion directors, you know, and we don't have to have things, not that girls March isn't amazing, but right. the fact that we need to have it, ideally, I think the idea is that we no longer have to have it, you know? Um, yeah. Because, yeah. So, so trying to raise the awareness level of, of, everybody around you um, is exhausting, but it's so rewarding because ultimately the people that are going to make the change are us. The people that are assigning uh, fifth grade instruments, you know, mm-hmm. or fourth grade, third grade instruments, we are going to have to make an active change in order to tilt the scales. And if we don't tilt the scales, then the change is never going to happen. And I'm not saying it's just for percussion because it's also brass, it's trumpet and, oh, yeah. and trombone, you know, yeah. like, yeah, we shouldn't be walking into a band and see all the girls playing flute and clarinet and like one girl in the percussion program and one one girl in the the high brass program. Right. Um so what we ha- the work comes from middle school teachers and the people that are doing the screenings and the people that are placing the instruments. Mm-hmm. And the argument I get a lot is uh well I just put the most qualified students where they're supposed to go. Um and I I uh, I think that argument's interesting because then you're kind of saying like, well, I had more qualified boys audition for percussion, which right. in my mind is like, you had more fifth grade boys that could stand still than fifth grade girls. That makes no sense to me. Um, <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, but there's, there's just no way that you have more qualified boys to do X than qualified girls. You right. know, it, it just, the logic to me doesn't make sense. And, and it makes people uncomfortable to talk about it for yeah. sure. And I know this because I've been in these conversations <laughs> and it's uncomfortable for me too, to have to, to say those things, you know, yeah. but if we don't have these conversations and we don't actively try to try to make the difference, it's never yeah. going to get fixed because you're not going to get these uh, women in percussion director positions. If you don't start them in fifth grade right? <clears throat> as percussionists. So yeah, that's a good one. And I, I'm thrilled you said all of that, particularly the point I, I the thing that, that went through my head and then you said it, was about the the is like we shouldn't have to have a girls march yeah you know and i was like yes you know like it's awesome that it exists yeah but the reason that it exists <laughs> is because of the disparity yeah. i know it's like when i was growing up <clears throat> and when i was in uh undergrad and masters and stuff I was always the only female percussionist. Maybe there was another one, but more likely than uh, than not, I was the only female in the room. Yeah. Um, and it still happens to me now in in uh, faculty meetings and stuff like that. Like, I mean, not with the percussion staff and Capel, because like I said, we're right. we're seventy five percent female, which is yeah. amazing. Um, but I was always told growing up, it's so cool that you're you're a female drummer or a chick drummer. That's so cool, a chick drummer. <laughs> New and Jersey. Thought, yeah. Yes. And I always thought like, why? Wait, why is that cool? I, I'm I'm just a 
a drummer. I'm yeah. just a percussionist. I'm not a fe- I'm a percussionist who happens to be female. Right, right. You know, I, I didn't want to identify as a as a female percussionist. Right. Um, because I'm I sh- Annie the percussionist. Yeah, Thank you. Nice to meet you. Say, <laughs> I know. I shouldn't have to say I'm a female percussionist. Right. Uh, except I do. I feel like now I have to say it. But ideally it gets to a point one day where we no longer have to talk about that. And it's just that, yeah, I'm, I'm just a percussionist. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure that you've seen it in, in some of the other spaces, you know, particularly DCI and places where it's like, okay, does the, and I, I don't, I was never in that world. So I'm, I'm, I, you could shoot me down on this, but, but I mean, it's like, okay, is the, you know, is, is the uh, woman who's a staff member, who's maybe the, like, she's the Quint person or something like that. Does she ever get to be caption head? Does that person, like, how much does that person move up the, like, the brass ladder? How much do they up move up the, you know, the director ladder in some of these organizations, right? Oh, yeah. It's, no, I mean, there is a huge gender gap in drum corps in general. And it's not just percussion. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is brass as well. Um, it is, like, caption heads, uh uh, people that run the drum corps, like there are very few women. And I imagine a lot of it has to do with, because I think about this all the time. Like if you are uh, a 35 year old woman and you have a kid, right. who's going to stay home with your kid? Right. Like, like how do, how are, how is it that I march drum corps and all these men are going off and they're on tour for like six, seven weeks at a time. Right. And, and they have know, families, but and they yeah, don't and they have families. And I, I don't want to, um, I, I don't want to say anything negative about any of those people because clearly they've worked something out, right? Right. With their families. But that is the reason. That is the reason because someone has to stay home with the kid, um, with their kids. And, but I don't think that's the only reason. I think there, like, there is a lot of unconscious, uh, subconscious bias when it comes to things like that. I mean, when I marched, um, I think there were like four girls in the entire progression section at Cadets my last year there, four or five girls maybe. Uh, and I mean, that's just a crazy number. That is a crazy low number out of 16. You're telling me you only found five. Like that is, that's pretty absurd. Um, and then battery, like the battery world is it's nearly non-existent. Um, uh, at least when I was marching, there were, there was like a female snare drummer, you know, and, um, even now it's still very rare. And we have people like, uh, Eliana Yamuni, who's on our right. staff in March Vanguard, and everyone knows her because she was the the girl snare drummer from Vanguard. But yeah. it's like, why do you? I mean, do you know the the male snare drummers from Vanguard? Why is it that? Oh, you I know? don't know, but, yeah. but I know that that's the, I, know, I know that that was her, her label. Yeah, exactly. So it's just so crazy that that you you uh, it's that rare that you yeah. know the the girl snare drummer um, and. I think a lot of it is that at a younger age, uh, the girls aren't getting put on, on, um, percussion, but then even when they are put on percussion, a lot of the times they might be discouraged because, uh, someone's saying, Oh, that instrument's heavy. Are you sure you want to carry it? You know, I had a, uh, I had a guy say to me, my first year in Capel come up to me and say, you know, all of your, all of the beginners in your class are girls. And I was like, yeah, I have a lot of girls in my beginner class this year. And he said, well, what are you going to do when they get to the high school and they have to carry drums? And I said, well, they're going to carry them. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Right. It wasn't even a thought that had come into my mind, but I have a feeling that, that some of these, these band directors are saying, uh, Hey, that might be a little too heavy for you. Um, with the quads too. Like I played quads when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and they were so heavy, but no one ever said, Hey, those are too heavy for you to play. Right. You know, so kudos to my band director because I, I clearly never either that or I'm super stubborn, <laughs> which is also possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. The last thing I was thinking about on this was, you know, when you're talking about the placement, you know, the, and these, you know, like the most qualified and putting that in quotes here, um, it feels like your response should be like, well, you're a teacher, right? 
you're going to teach them up, right? Oh my gosh, I think that too. I, that's what I'm, that's what my point is: is that we are we need to be the one to tip the scales, right? Yes. So maybe you have one child that got a nine instead of a ten out of ten, right? And then you have to teach just that little bit harder. But is yeah. it really like? Is it really that hard to yeah. teach that kid? You know, because that's our job. Right. It, it is our job to make them good at their instrument. Yeah. And. We can argue over the screening process as much as we want. And yes, some kids are going to do better in percussion than other kids. But but ultimately, you should be able to, as a teacher, teach any of these kids to do any of these things. Yeah. You know, and and we're not trying to make like, I don't need every one of my kids to be an all-stater. Right. You know, because just because that kid uh, isn't an all-stater doesn't mean that they're any less deserving of a great educational experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel the same way. And, and it's, and it's also sometimes, and I, I don't know how section leaders things works in high school. Like, I, I don't know if that's, if that's a thing or, but I always think of um, like on the college level, I feel like it's really important to make sure that if, if there's, you know, because I, I think in my, the band director here, we, we both think very strongly about, um, you know, gender equity, particularly with, with like our leadership mm-hmm. and, and, but it, sometimes it takes, uh, someone else to just make a comment like, Hey, this person would be really good. And it might not be someone that I, I had on my radar, but now they're on my radar. Yeah. And it, now it's like on me to go, have you thought about trying out for leadership? Exactly. And it's like, okay, and that's like, it's like that becomes just another like, you know, um, unconscious thing that you can do mm-hmm. that requires a little work in the beginning, but then it becomes like a thing that you start paying attention to. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's kind of what I was, I was trying to get at is that like, if we want to make a difference in this gender gap, we Mm -hmm. have to do a little more work and it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, you know, it's uncomfortable because especially for male band directors, it's uncomfortable uh, if you've never experienced it. Right. Because it's really easy to say like, oh yeah, I see it. It's, but it's, it's not that big of a deal, you know, because if you've never experienced it, I mean, I've, I can't believe, I can't tell you how many times people have said, oh, but is there really, you know, is it really that bad to me? Like I, I had a lot of friends that were female percussionists and I'm like, okay, just because you don't see something doesn't mean it isn't there. Right. You know, just like, I don't know what experiences you have had. Uh, that doesn't make your experiences invalid. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is going to take a little bit of work and, and it's going to be uncomfortable, but you know, it is our job as yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's, what's interesting is that I, I've, I've said this a million times, but I, I always feel like when I first started going to PASIC as an example, like I felt like the percentage of women who were there was like 5% when I started going or, or maybe it's up to like 12 now. Mm. But like, okay, that's better. It's not, it's not where I, that needs to be, but still it's like, there's a little yeah. progress, yeah, there is <laughs> but not good enough, obviously. I know, I know, but there's, there is progress. And, and that's another thing is um, we, it's really dangerous to fall into that trap of, oh, well, it's gotten better. No, so, right. Yeah. Because I, I have people say that to me as well. Um, and I've had female percussionists say that to me like, Oh, but it's gotten better. And I mean, when it's, it's not good enough to be better, you yeah. know, it has, it has to be it. Like, yes, have, exactly. To get there, And yeah. then we can say, Oh, it's gotten better. Yeah. You right. Know? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like that person, you, you need to send them to any of the, um, any of the percussionists who are women who are like in their late fifties or older. And just be like, talk to them when they were the only one for like 25 years. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, and, and I shouldn't like, I, I shouldn't single out um, male directors because there are a lot of female directors that feel the same way and, yeah. and, and, and don't necessarily see it as a problem or, right. or don't see it as an urgent problem. Yeah. Yeah, but it's time. Yeah. And I mean, there are people that are going to listen to this and, and be uncomfortable with this conversation. And and that's good because if we're not uncomfortable, then we're not getting better, you know? So we need to have the uncomfortable conversations in order for for us to to fix the situation. All right. I got some more questions. Now we're, we're going to lighten it up just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> unless that was completely light and enjoyable for you. <laughs> um, so, all right. What is the most 
I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's the most impractical item of clothing you own? Bracelets. Okay. Because I take them off to drum <laughs> or a watch. Right. Yeah, because I wear it and then I end up taking it off anyway because I can't drum while I'm wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Where I thought you were going to, where, where this answer tends to go, particularly where you went to school is snow boots. Oh yeah. Also my snow boots. Although it's not impractical anymore because we had that snowstorm. That's right. Yeah. I did have my snow boots, but I, we didn't own a shovel, <laughs> which was problematic. Yeah. Because yeah. now everybody needs a shovel all of a sudden. Oh yeah. I, and then I was like trying to find anywhere with a shovel and no one, they were sold out everywhere. So I ended up using a dust pan, which was stellar. <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Um, has anyone ever nailed an impression of you? And if so, how'd they do it? No. Um, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, no, I don't. Your students haven't, they haven't come. It's not, hasn't been Andy Chernow they never, day. They never try. They, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Some of my students have dressed as me before and what they wear is like, uh, yoga pants and chacos and a t-shirt and a flannel. And that's like the Miss Chernow uniform. <laughs> so I know it's a carryover from my Minnesota days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, flannel and chacos. Yeah, that, that's, uh, my Miss Chernow impression. <laughs> and, and then you see them and you go, oh, really? Is this, this is <laughs> yeah. what I look like? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, other questions. What is a great movie and what is a terrible movie? Oh, my gosh. These are hard. <laughs> I haven't thought about anything that's not percussion related in right. so long. I have gotten that impression from you, but I just want to say. <laughs> what is a great movie? Okay. We watched Airplane recently. <laughs> great movie. Great movie. Yeah. It's, although it's also a horrible movie. So I think I might use it as both. It's both really good and really bad. I mean, uh, it's, it's incredibly so outdated. Like, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't seen any. I feel like I haven't seen very many bad movies. Not yeah. not recently, at least. No, I mean, I haven't, I've barely been to the movie theater. So sure. Mostly been watching Netflix. Fair enough. Yeah. You and George watching Netflix. Yes. yes. Um, and your your uh, and your fiance too, but yeah, no. George comes first though. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, know, <laughs> we know that you you've established a hierarchy in the in yes. the household. Yes. yes. <laughs> George has established it. All right. So related question though is um, what's a piece of some some piece of pop culture that if you meet someone and they say, oh, I like this, and then you're like, all right, we're cool. What's that for you? I'm, uh, oh, I'm a huge New Girl fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, and we've been watching Shit's Creek recently, which I've is heard, hilarious. That's what I've heard. Yeah, so I think if, if someone were to tell me like they were a huge Shit's Creek fan, I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're friends. We're friends. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a good a great one. Show. Um, what is a favorite book? Hmm. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. I've heard good things about that. It's amazing. Okay. It's really amazing. Um, I've been on a huge reading kick recently. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm like really into uh, serial killer novels now. Okay. Which I read before bed to give myself nightmares. That's good. Yeah, somehow so, relaxes you. That's a yeah, commentary. I, mean, I really like horror books, so I've been into that recently. Like Stephen like, King. Uh, yes, I actually I've been reading um, for a very long time now. I've been reading um, his fifteen hundred page book. That for some which reason, one? <laughs> I can't remember the name of right now for some reason. The Stand. The Stand. Oh my gosh! Oh. Yeah, The Stand. Yeah, I I've I think I've I'm like. 900 pages in and I'm taking a hiatus because it's so long and it's so heavy. It's, a, it's intense. It around anywhere. Yeah. But it's really good. Yeah. 
only for him, for me, it's been like that and Cujo. Well, I haven't read that. And maybe one other. I can't remember. But I mean, it's not, I've, I don't know. I've like, I, I respect his output. I mean, it's incredibly prolific, but I, I, I don't know. It's wordy. Yes. Yes. Like that 1500 page book could probably be a 750 page book. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Do you have a sports fandom? No. Wow. <laughs> no, honest. No, I'm, I, I say that because like, that's a big, I, I grew I mean, I grew up in New York. So like, it's a big thing. Like pro sports in particular yeah. is, is massive in the Northeast. I grew up a Giants fan. Okay. Um, Giants fan and Rangers fan. And mm-hmm. we were Giants, Mets, and Rangers in my house. Got all of the teams I don't like. This yeah, is really- yeah. I know. Most <laughs> people don't like them. That's probably why I don't tell people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't. You Not in Dallas, no. I was about to say. It's like, yeah, you can't be a Giants fan in Dallas. Fan, I'll get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> by <Yeah>. your students. <laughs> yeah, I know. Scary, scary possibility. Yeah. Don't say anything like that to a Cowboys fan. Oh, or I know. Fan for that matter. Oh, yeah. Fans, they're scary. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's actually like the, I mean, the Giants and, and Cowboys is, is bad enough, but Giants Eagles is like a, a different, yeah. a different stratosphere of, of anger and hatred between those two. Wild. <laughs> what is your best kitchen mess up? Oh man. One time I was on the phone with my friend while I was baking. Cause I really like to bake mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I mixed up the proportions for baking powder and baking soda. Ooh! <clears throat> I swapped them. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out really poorly. And then there was this other time that I made a bunt cake for the first time mm-hmm. and, um, I didn't let it cool and I tried to shake it out and it just came out as like crumbles. <laughs> so that was bad. <laughs> Yeah. What was the what was the thing you were baking that with the you switched it up? Cookies. Ah, ooh. Yeah, yeah. they did not turn out good. No. <laughs> and then you're hungry and you're just annoyed. Yeah. I know, and you, I just spent an hour chilling the dough, and then uh, <laughs> horrible times. <laughs> gotcha. All right, where is somewhere that you uh, have not traveled to, but you still want to get to? Iceland. Yeah, I really want to go to Iceland. Why? I, I thought you had enough of the cold in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool when you're on vacation and you can come back to warm weather. A fair, okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I really, I think it's it's pretty neat. Like I, we're really into hiking, uh, mm. and we we we're trying to hit all the national parks. So we've been to seven so far. Mm. Uh, Which yeah, ones? Uh, we've been to Smoky Mountains, um, Big Bend. Mm which is my favorite Zion in Utah, um, hot springs, mm-hmm. in Arkansas, uh, Haleakala on Maui. Oh yeah. Um, uh, great sand dunes national park and Rocky mountain national park. And then this summer we're going to Acadia in Maine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's why I want to go to Iceland because there's some really cool hiking there. Got it. Yeah. Also, there's this website you should check out. It's called Sounds Like You Need Iceland. And uh, you can press a button and it records your scream. Uh-huh. And then it blasts it over these speakers in the middle of Iceland. And they send you a recording of your, of your scream. It's really great. Wow. Sounds like you need Iceland.com. All right. Oh. Uh, AKA you are a band director.com. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Screamingtothevoid.com. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, this, okay. So this next one will be, I'm curious what the answer would be, which is what is a non-music related goal that you have for your life? Probably to uh, achieve a really good level of work-life balance and figure out what it is that I am able to do that I love to do while also still being able to uh, live the life that I want to live and not be super stressed about work constantly. So that's a long-term goal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's it. 
And then be able to bake the perfect chocolate chip cookie because I always burn my chocolate chip cookies. Here's the thing uh, on the chocolate chip cookie front is that I feel like (laughs) so many, there's like so many places that make chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. So why make my, make my own. Well, this is the, this is my argument against when, or about when people make sushi I don't know if you're a sushi fan, but like I, we've tried, we made it a couple times and it was so much work. And we're, yeah. you know, we're, like, we're like, we could just go to the grocery store and it's perfectly fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> totally get that. Same thing with chocolate chip cookies, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I haven't worked too hard yet to perfect it. <laughs> I gotcha. I, <laughs> I, now I see how, okay. got it. Got it. Yeah. That's good. All right. Since you do, since some of your job is, is, is administration because you got to, you oversees a lot of different things with your teaching. Do you have a favorite administrator saying? Like, are you talking about like circle back? And yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I try really hard not to use those because they make me cringe. Um, oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I don't have very many administrator sayings. I have a lot of sayings that I say uh, to my students that they like repeat all the time. Like one time I I said, I think I said this once that we were going to have an event that everybody had to come to. It was like a social and I called it mandatory fun. And now my kids always call anything like that mandatory fun. Always. Like, I'm like, I said it one time. I can't get away with saying anything one time. Yeah. Or um, whenever I'm asking them to play uh, with some weight, for mm-hmm. piano volume, I always say wait at the low end, but I guess I say it all the time because now my kids say it all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to say it. And I say, what am I going to say? And they say that, but yeah, I hit, circle back. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing on, on something like the mandatory fun is that you probably have students saying it back to you and you're just like, you were not there. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even come to my, I know you weren't even there when I said that term. I don't understand how you uh, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that. And I always say, um, uh, the way we do anything is the way we do everything. Mm. Except my kids think that I made that up, which I'll take. Yeah. <laughs> They're like the way we do anything is the way we do everything. Miss Chernow. Yeah, yeah. It did not come from me, but that's okay. <laughs> you, it, listen, if it's not on a t-shirt, then you can get on it. Exactly. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is either the strangest, funniest, or most bizarre performance moment that involves you? Do I have to be performing or can I just be involved? You just be involved. Okay. Then I'm going to tell the story of our concert this past Saturday. Um, So we had this whole concert that we've been advertising and telling everybody about for months. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it at uh, the sound at Cypress waters, which is this like downtown area in Capel and it's on a lake and it's super pretty. There's an amphitheater. um, And there's a, it's like a lot, we were going to do a lawn concert. So everyone brings snacks and blankets and chairs and I mean, we we sold before the day of, we had sold over 380 tickets and we're like hyping it up, making a big deal, sending emails, posters, everything. And we get there on Saturday morning and uh, we unload. So first of all, we get to the high school, we load up two box trucks and like 15 cars of all of our equipment. Um, we get everything there, we unload, we set it up and it starts getting really windy and we're like man it's super windy here okay like okay, yeah this is kind of bad you know some music is flying we have everything on poster board though so I'm like okay this isn't that bad slowly it starts picking up and picking up and it's 20 mile per hour winds at this point um and we're in the middle of our dress rehearsal and cymbal stands are flying and drums are flying and crashing and we have sound shells that we brought from the school and they're t- tipping over oh my god and- and I was just standing there, like watching it in disbelief. I, I could not believe that this was occurring. And it gets to a point where we have all the kids that are not playing sit in the ensembles and they're holding instruments down while the kids are playing and holding music and instruments and cymbal stands and everything. And finally, we get through the dress rehearsal and I have everybody come over and I'm like, clearly, this is, this is not going to work. This isn't working. Um, so, we loaded everything back up onto a truck, onto the trucks, brought it all back to the high school, 
set it up in the arena, um, set everything back up for the concert. I sent the kids home for an hour so they could shower and change. Then they came back and then we did our concert. So it was a really crazy day. And I, I mean, <clears throat> I've experienced wind before because like I did drum corps, I did six seasons of drum corps, yeah, yeah. not like that to the point where, uh, cymbals and drums and sound shells are falling over. That was pretty wild. <laughs> it was bizarre. Wow. <laughs> did the people still come? Yeah, we had over, uh, I think we had over 400, 500 people there. Awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a long day, though, is what you're saying. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> well, I, at the end of the day, I felt like I got hit by a, bu- a bus. <laughs> I don't know how the kids performed still. It was kind of crazy. That's wild. Yeah. All right, and final question, Annie. What one piece of art, whether it's music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, whatever – has impacted you the most recently? Oh, the Amanda Gorman poem um, at the inauguration was pretty incredible. Um, I would say life-changing. And if anyone's listening and hasn't seen it, they should definitely look that up. Um, That would be like poetry-wise. Music-wise, there was this piece that we performed when I was at Minnesota called Coming Together. Uh, by Jevsky. It's this poem that was written, or it's letters that were written by a prisoner to someone on the outside. Uh, and throughout the piece, the the poetry is read while the musicians are playing and you're given like um, music that is just a running bass line and the notes change a little bit every once in a while. They get a little bit more crazy as the piece goes on. Uh, it's open, and in- open instrumentation. So you choose your setup and then uh, there's there's like instructions that go with each section. So the first section, every time you see a G, you play uh, a ringing instrument. Um, and every time the second section, every time you see a D, you play like a drum or something like that. And then at the end, you're basically just playing all these different instruments and it's super cacophonous. And someone is playing the bass line the entire time, either with a recording or um, on a piano or any instrument. Uh, and that was a really, really incredible performing experience uh, at our at our graduate progression group concert. I, I wish I could have put into words why I, I can't, but um, just like musically, the, the piece was incredible. And what's really cool about that piece is that every time it's performed, it's different uh, because it's open inf- instrumentation and a lot of it is up to interpretation. So that was really, really cool. So, so great to chat with Annie for these past two episodes. I hope for a great conclusion to her year and best wishes to her as she hosts Girls March beginning next week. Stay tuned for that and keep up with all Girls March items online. This week's rave is the 2020 film Another Round, starring Mads Mikkelsen and directed by Thomas Minterberg. The film was nominated for Best Director and won the Best International Feature Film at the 2020 Academy Awards. I should note that this film bears no direct relation to the now-defunct podcast Another Round, a work that I talked about in the past and really enjoyed. But it does share alcohol as a central tenet. In the movie, Mickelson stars as one of a group of middle-aged male high school teachers who decide to scientifically test an unusual theory that they should see exactly how intoxicated they can get over a period of months and still maintain their jobs and their personal lives. As you can imagine, one, this film is not set in the United States, but in Denmark and Sweden, and two, the story will, in many cases, not end well, and some severe consequences are reached. But there's a lot to enjoy here. First, as someone who enjoys hanging out with folks, and in those cases, is in the presence of some alcohol. The film does a wonderful job of capturing that fun atmosphere of people just enjoying each other's company. That camaraderie is really important, and it is expressed very well in this film. Secondly, the movie never delves into ridiculousness. Everything that occurs falls naturally into the story without getting overbearing or weird. 
And lastly, and most spectacularly, the movie closes with a celebration that includes one of the greatest solo dance sequences ever captured on film and one that needs to be seen to be enjoyed. This is done by the star Mads Mikkelsen, a Danish actor who has appeared in many U.S. films and shows over the years, including the lead in the Hannibal TV show from the mid-2010s and as Le Chiffre from the best recent James Bond film, Casino Royale. Well, Mads Mikkelsen is also a trained classical dancer, and that is put to spectacular use. So check out another round, now streaming. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete'sPerkPod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time with my final conversation with someone from Girls March, Paige Durr. Until then. Until then.